Is DJ Durkin better than Ron Roberts? Well, Pat Barnes joins us, and he has the answer. Yeah, bro. <laughs> On this episode of the Auburn Daily Podcast, I want to thank everybody for checking it out today, whether it be on YouTube or uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, that's just what we're talking about. What sort of differences might you be looking at on the field compared to what Durkin's going to put out there versus what Ron Roberts had? Before we get into it, Pat, I want to thank you as always for joining us. We lost an Auburn legend officially last night. I want to take a brief moment of silence and just remember the legacy of Terry Beasley and everything he did at Auburn. All right. Shout out for the GOAT, RIP 88. You know, I think Justin Lee did it perfectly. That statue, he took the, the back shot of the uh, the Pat Sullivan statue, and he said, we know who that ball's going through. And I think that was a uh, a really awesome, cool tribute and a good way of looking at it. So, obviously, our thoughts, prayers with the Beasley family. And, um, like I said, he was the GOAT and uh, another Auburn legend lost, but uh, he will obviously be remembered fondly by – all of us. So didn't want to start the episode without uh, giving him a little bit of a tribute and a shout out. But uh, Pat, wanna let's talk. Let's just jump right into this here. As you like to say, jumping right into the deep end. DJ Durkin over Ron Roberts. What is the first thing that's screaming out to you of like, I'm excited about this because of blank? Well, the biggest upgrade you've got with Durkin is he is probably 10 times the recruiter that Roberts is. That's that's the most significant aspect of this hire is Roberts was essentially giving you nothing on the recruiting front. Uh, very good defensive coach, but no, nothing really as a recruiter. And Durkin has a long and storied history of being a successful recruiter in the SEC. You can go on 24-7 where they've got a coach's total recruits for all time. And you can see all the way back to him being at Florida in 2012 the players he landed and it's a uh, it's a collection of five and four stars so that's the biggest thing a much better recruiter so do you think it's funny that he's at auburn now and then roberts found his way down to florida I, I, it is uh ironic i guess you could say because that's where durkin got his start in a major college football was working for Muschamp champ at florida when he was the head coach there uh so it's it's kind of come full circle so this is an interesting note here too and i think it needs to be said Durkin's only 46 years old. Right. He just turned 46 like two weeks ago. So he is still a young coach by coaching standards. I mean, I think if you're mid-40s, I think that's a fair assumption to say, especially being a head coach at a, a power five, which, I mean. Yeah, he, I mean, he was, he was a defensive coordinator in 2013 at Florida. So 10 years ago, he'd have been mid-30s. So he was a very young defensive coordinator in the SEC. Yeah, and uh, he was, I guess, I guess I forgot, he was interim head coach, and that would have been, uh, that would have been when Muschamp was let go. Yep, they, uh, I guess they fired him at some point. I can't remember when they fired him during the season, but I guess Durkin was an interim for a week or, or weeks, however long that was. But I think immediately following that Muschamp firing, he got hired as the D.C. at Michigan for Harbaugh's first team, I think that was, uh, and did pretty yeah. well there, Mm-hmm. It wasn't there some rumors that Harbaugh had him and Harbaugh had been chatting about some uh, potential reunions, or is that uh is that just as that, I said rumors? That, so that is what was uh, told to me last week, and uh, I had I think we mentioned this in the past podcast, even before Durkin's name kind of hit the message boards. I had heard that uh, he was somebody that Freeze was very interested in and had already interviewed him actually. 
And I think since that point, Durkin was kind of – everybody was talking about Chris Kiffin, but I think that from the moment that Durkin interviewed with Freeze, he was number one on his board. And okay, I so think there was – um. go ahead. No, no, that's a good segue right there because – you you just said Chris Kiffin, and that uh, obviously for a while there it was Durkin and Kiffin were neck and neck, and I think even for a little bit, I think everybody thought the favorite was going to be Kiffin. And to your credit, you held tight on Durkin because Pat Barnes don't miss. And uh, for those out there off air, Pat pretty much was telling me Durkin Durkin's the guy, Durkin's the guy. Not that Kiffin would have been a bad move, but it seems like that had been in the works a little bit longer now give me your thoughts there because in my opinion i said this last episode i think it was a a 1a 1b i I think both hires would have been very good but give me the why do you think durkin would have had the edge over kiffin in your opinion well let me let me start i guess i think kiffin was 1a until free sat down and interviewed durkin and from what i understand they just hit it off immediately and Freeze, it, he jumped him up to that 1A spot, and I think we were trying to land him from that point on. Now, I like Chris Kiffin in theory. I'll admit that I wanted Durkin over Kiffin because Durkin has a litany of successful head coaching, not head coaching, defensive coordinator stints across the SEC and at that one year at Michigan. So if you look at his history, he's Florida's D.C., 2013-2014, very successful run there. Michigan's defensive coordinator, 2015, very successful run there. He was Ole Miss's defensive coordinator, 2020 and 2021. The 2020 defense at Ole Miss was rough, but I I don't know if you remember, that was Kiffin's very first year there, and they were kind of having to rebuild on the fly. They had a big jump in numbers in 2021. Yeah, Matt Luke did not leave him with a great situation, and it was a COVID year. And my rule of thumb on this, and I'll I'll tell – I'll die on this hill. I – and the further time that's gone from this, I feel like even stronger feelings of this, but I just don't really judge anything from the COVID year to hold any merit, good or bad for anybody, especially national yeah, I mean, champion. You, you look at a, the, my favorite thing to look at is uh, Andrew, Anders Carlson's kicking percentages in his Auburn career. I think that he was 60 percentages across the board outside of that 2020 season where he hit 80 something percent of his kicks and, you got to think that had a lot to do with the half the stands being empty. So I think yeah, that was playing tricks on a lot of people. Yeah. Recruiting was messed up. People's kind of psyche of what's happening. I mean, you didn't have for a lot of places didn't have spring ball, a lot of practice limitations, just how football is supposed to operate. It wasn't operating like that for 2020 and subsequent times afterwards. So yeah, I don't hold a whole lot of merit there, especially with the season stuff. And like you said, when it got back to normalcy in 2021, you saw the numbers jump drastically, not only just being post-COVID, but being like actually Kiffin and or Dirk and getting in their guys. And you'd mentioned too, he's had quite a stint with schools, the SEC, even had some time at Sanford. So just Birmingham, Alabama ties, Southeastern ties, 2007 to 2009. And he was Ron a, Roberts. He was- well, he, he was also he was also an analyst at Bama for a year in 2019, yeah, and well, as everybody everybody knows in the Auburn sphere at this point, he was A and M's defense coordinator the last two years, and A and M had a, a very good defense last year. So he he's been all over the SEC. Yeah, and I was kind of mentioned to Roberts going back to the uh, theme of the episode here. It's Durkin better than Ron Roberts. Roberts had not had any stints in the SEC. 
So I don't believe so. No, no I'm, I'm I'm verifying it as we speak right now. He had not. So okay. uh, he spent some time at Louisiana. I'm presuming that was under Napier. So yes, yeah. So uh, right. Roberts, Roberts. This may be something we've talked about on a previous episode. But he's kind of the godfather of the uh, Gulf Coast defense that you've seen kind of spring up over the last couple of years. He is Dave Aranda's, Pete Golding's, and there's somebody else out there I can't think of off the top of my head right now. He's their mentor. That was Ron Roberts. Who kind of, he was the head coach at, at a smaller school in Mississippi, I believe. Maybe um, Delta State, I think maybe that was, yeah, it, was Delta, it was Delta. It was Delta State, yes. Okay. And – uh Aranda and Golding, and I think another guy kind of came up under him, and they all kind of ran a variation of that three-three-five defense you see a lot of today. That aggressive three-three-five defense. That was Roberts. That's Roberts' lineage. So let's. That's also. I mean, we're just killing it on the segues here. Um, but let's. We do need to take a brief pause. Speaking of segues here, because I did want to get into the X's and O's and on the field stuff. Cause you kind of mentioned it in the Roberts. We're going to talk about the Durkin, but before we do that, when uh, you need a segue in life, like, you know, you wake up tired and you need some, let's say energy. Well, there is one place that absolutely has got you covered. And uh, if you listen to the show before, you probably already know that is the Plains coffee company. If you are a coffee lover, or even if you're just like, maybe you don't love coffee. You like it. Cause you hadn't had coffee. That's like the best yet. Well, Plains Coffee is where you need to go. You need to check out their website, plainscoffee.com. They ship right to you. Doesn't matter where you're at. And most importantly, you get to save money because there's a coupon code right here at checkout. Auburn, the word Auburn. Put that in there, check out. You'll get 10% off. So not only are you getting some really awesome coffee, and not only this, it's fresh coffee. They're going to grind those beans for you the day before it ships. Maybe even same day if, if it just all works out right. No, 24 hours max. The stuff you're getting in the grocery store, there's no telling how long ago that stuff was ground. This is not only fresh coffee, but it's awesome coffee. Black, uh, I, I mentioned this on last episode. They had, uh, I think it was Cinnabon. I got to try some Cinnabon coffee. That sounded incredible. We got lots of other stuff on there too. No matter what your coffee love is, Plains Coffee got you hooked up. And here's the best part too. I've said the best part three times. It keeps getting better and better. They even have teas there. If coffee's not your thing, you are a big tea person, love some teas. Well, guess what? Same deal there. And as I said, it is going to be the freshest deal ever. Check out Plains, Co- Plains Coffee Company. See what they got. Do the order. Get the coupon code. And want to thank them for supporting the show. And guess what? I, uh, I'm sure that um, I, I'm sure there's plenty of guys on the I'm just gonna assume I'm, I'm sure DJ Jerkin loves some some coffee, and we're definitely next time we talk to him, tell him to try some Plains coffee. So when he is sipping on his coffee, coming up with some defensive plannings, we already kind of mentioned right there what Roberts is doing. Well, let's talk about what DJ Durkin's doing. Tell us a little bit about his X's and O's, what we're gonna see on the field with him. So Durkin comes from the Saban Belichick tree, and I'm sure a lot of people know this now, but Saban. Nick Saban worked as Bill Belichick's defense coordinator in the Cleveland on the Cleveland Browns in the 1990s. And, and it, it's they a can, tragedy that Saban, I'd say it's a tragedy that Saban just didn't stay in the NFL. It would have been great, wouldn't it? You know, I mean, if they had only been, if they had only signed Drew Brees instead of Dante Culpepper, we never would have had this issue. All the all the Super Bowls Saban could have had. Yeah, if I have a time machine, I'm just gonna 
go back and tell them, like, look, you're going to flop in college, just stay in the league. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the defense they kind of developed was a variation on the cover three defense up there, uh, which is cover three is where you drop both cornerbacks in zone and you have a sa- one single high safety kind of drop back as well. So that's that's your traditional cover three. And you're covering three. That way you have three zones in the field you're covering. They, what has happened over the years with both Saban and Belichick is they have kind of gone from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4 defense, and then finally they've kind of settled in a hybrid 4-3, 3-4 defense. And that's kind of the defense you've seen overtake the NFL too. Almost every team you see play in the NFL today, they're not just running a base Four three scheme or a base three four scheme. They will they will play predominantly out of one of those, but they can very easily shift to the opposite scheme. So say, take the Patriots for instance. They typically were a three four defense, but they signed a bunch of defensive ends and linebackers that could kind of do it all: rush the passer, drop back in coverage, or defensive ends for the Patriots that could also be shifted to the middle, kind of like a Keldrick ball, where you can put them inside and rush the passer inside. Durkin, Durkin's running that same type of defense because he came from Muschamp and Muschamp came from Saban, where there's a bunch of players that are basically Swiss Army knives. You've got defensive ends that can slide inside, rush the passer on passing downs. You've got linebackers that can sh- get their hand in the dirt on passing downs. You've got defensive linemen that can drop back the coverage on on a on more running downs, if you want to have a simulated blitz from a from a linebacker or cornerback, they can kind of slide in. Roberts does a lot of the same stuff schematically. He just ran it out of a different set for the most part, which is mainly the 3-3-5. I like a bigger front that you see, a more traditional saving Belichick front. So I think that's going to be a benefit to Auburn. And it should let us take advantage of some of these good defensive linemen we're going to be bringing in starting in this class. Hopefully land a couple in the spring from the transfer portal so we can kind of upgrade the defensive line at that point, too. The defensive line should eat, as you kind of said, a little bit more traditional style. Now, do you think this is going to be something similar to what we saw out of the years of Muschamp at Auburn, stint one and or stint two? Yeah, this defense that we're going to be running with Durkin is going to be a lot closer to the Muschamp and Steel defenses. I mean, those are – Muschamp and Steele came from that saving tree, too. They all kind of run similar stuff. I think the big difference between Durkin and Steele is, I don't know if you remember, Steele almost ran entirely man coverage. I don't know if that was necessarily what he liked to do or the fact that he knew he had a bunch of stud defense alignment up there and he could just run man coverage and let his four guys up front go to work. I think you're going to see a good bit more zone coverage and simulated pressures after Durkin than what we saw from Steele. But it's kind of out of they're gonna be running out of similar fronts, I think, if that makes sense. So the other thing that uh, I want to ask you about here on this one is shout out to Roberts. One statistic that the defense had under him that had just been dry as a desert for years at Auburn is we finally, finally, finally started seeing just interceptions. Yeah, missed interceptions. I just forgot what it was like to be happy when your team got an interception. So, got some of that out of Roberts. That had been something we hadn't seen here in a while. Do you think that is going to continue with Durkin? Or are we going to start seeing a little bit more uh, getting back to the days of sacking? I think you're going to get more 
of the steel type defense where you're trying to keep it in front of you and getting sacks, getting them in third and longs and getting sacks more than going the aggressive turnover route. That that's my kind of read on it. And watching AM play this year, it seemed like they were more of a team that relied on their front four to go to work, like we saw with Kevin Steele at Auburn. Okay, and now let's. So you're feeling good about you're feeling good about the high. You're feeling good about the direction. Now we talked about a lot of what he's going to do on the field. You'd mentioned off the field stuff with the recruiting of him being, and you said it right out of the gate, just light years better as a recruiter. We kind of went over the pedigree as to why that should be. Young guy knows the landscape of the SEC. We know how you feel about recruiting. Do we number one? Oh, oh, do we do we bug? Can we bug a little bit on the recruiting side with with Durkin? Yes, he's he's legitimately a stud recruiter. Uh, and when you look at that defensive staff now, as long as it all remains intact going into next year, there is not a single weakness recruiting that side of the ball as far as the positions position coaches go. You've got Jeremy Garrett proving himself in year one and a great recruiter. Josh Aldrich knocked it out of the park as a recruiter this year. Charles Kelly, a lot of people consider him one of the five best recruiters in the SEC. You just hire him. And then, of course, you got Crime, who's a, a legendary recruiter in this league as well. So just a, a who's who list of stud recruiters on that, that side of the ball this year. Yeah. Now, I've hit you up with a lot of just, you know, kind of call it questions here. And this will be this will be a really fun one. And just God willing, fingers crossed. Do you think Auburn will have the same defensive coordinator for the second year in a row? Yes, a, I, I feel been, very strongly been a about while. that. I, it's, it's, been a while. it's been a while since we've uh, had – coordinator continuation isn't it i think since 2019 to 2020 with steel was the last time we had one coordinator roll to the next year let's let's take that a step further when is the last time auburn had two coordinators two years the same two coordinators two years in a row uh 2017 and 2018 if i remember right it was uh chip Lindsay and kevin steel Lindsay and kevin steel but even then before that then you know it'd been a little while so that that'll be something, but what did we see there? What did we see from year one to year two? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it there was continuation, and obviously they just toppled on that momentum. But usually, if you can keep your assistants and keep your coordinators multiple years in a row, especially if things are going, you can actually kind of build there. And Auburn has just had a and I would love to kind of know what that would look like, kind of compared to the SEC, just coordinator turnover. I would be willing to bet that it doesn't fare well for Auburn. Just as far as, as far as the amount of coaches we've gone through. Well, I mean, head coaches, yeah, but I think even just coordinators. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there there has been no consistency at the coordinator spots for the better part of a decade. Right, and I think I think the downward trajectory of the record. There's probably some correlation. Um, forget my dog barking. My dog uh, hates coordinator turnover too. But uh, coordinator turnover, it frustrates me, you know? And there's a place I, I like going when I'm frustrated about things like coordinator turnover, not getting, you know, not winning, Jerry Kill, things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking Diego about, Pipea. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Did he find the landing spot? Yeah, Vandy. Oh, God. Yeah. With Jerry Hill would say that. Oh man, yeah, I'm terrified he's going to take that. He's going to take that Vandy job, and uh, when he does take the Vandy job, I'm just crossing our fingers that Auburn doesn't play. Because there's a problem about it. I mean, Vandy lose every game and beat beat. I mean, 
like Hugh Freeze probably has a counselor. And you say, well, why are you here? He says, Jerry Kill. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that man has Hugh Freeze's number. If, if My greatest fear is that Auburn is going into November undefeated. I mean, just beating teams by double digits consistently, ranked number one, and they just got a zero-win Vandy team coached by Jerry Kill just sitting there. That is that is the most dangerous thing in Auburn sports. No, it's not going to happen. I, this is the year he breaks that. This, that I'm I'm manifesting this. This is the year we kill the Jerry Kill has his number. Uh, yeah, no, that's – if anything, if there's any goal this season, if there's any monkey to get off our back, it is – yeah, Jerry Kill's out of Hugh Freeze's psyche. Because, I mean, two years in a row is just devastating, especially yeah, when it was got, like a con- combined spread of nearly 60 points both games. <laughs> we got to move past that. Got to move past that. But anyway, so anyway – Myself and maybe honestly, even Hugh Freeze, when he thinks about Jerry Kill, place we all should go. You know where that place is? The Birmingham and or the Opelika Rage Room. Yeah, doesn't matter where you are. Whether you're in Birmingham or you're in Opelika and Jerry Kill, you think about him and you're like, wow, I need to go break something. I'm getting PTSD from just remembering Jerry Kill games, especially if you're Hugh Freeze because you got. Get a few of those in there. Yeah, it's a great place to go do that. Uh, but I mean, shoot, I mean that was that's where I was after the New Mexico State loss. I'll be honest. Go to Rage Room, book it. Whether it be an Opelika or Auburn, OpelikaRageRoom.com, BirminghamRageRoom.com. Book your session. Be one person. Be up to twelve. Load up that room. Most importantly, tell them the Auburn Daily Show sent you. What they'll do is they'll get you some extra stuff to smash. Tell them. I mean, just be like, hey, I'm here because I just I thought about the New Mexico State game. I gotta I gotta shake this one off. Go break a table full of stuff. There are a lot of people yelling there. Get it. Last week, Auburn basketball did it. You know what? We got a get-right game against Vandy, but you know what? You can still celebrate by breaking stuff, too. It is a blast. Tons of fun. Tell them Auburn Daily so sent you. Check their website out. Check out their social media at Radio in Birmingham or Opelika, Opelika slash Auburn. Two locations. Tons of fun. So, Pat, we're about to wrap this show up. So... We talked a little bit about Durkin, how it's going to look over Roberts. We've talked about the scheme and how that's going to look compared to Roberts. Kind of going back to something we're a little bit more familiar with. What position groups we should potentially be seeing? Marcus Harris shouting out his brother, Malik Blockton, saying, hey, be looking out for my guy and my guys. He feels good this defensive line is going to just keep it keep up with the uh, the fill the hole that he left there. Let's talk about the culture side. Is obviously this hire had some controversy behind it because of some stuff that happened a few years ago. And that's been talked about a lot. We don't spend a lot of time on this. But obviously, there's a tragedy that happened at Maryland. He was the head coach. How much he did or didn't necessarily have involvement in that. We've said this is that's sort of the researching. There's a lot of bad, false information out there. There's a lot of people just taking little jabs at a situation, which I think just don't do. I mean, this is obviously there's a young man who obviously lost his life in the situation. And I think belittling that to get a cheap shot at a coaching hire you like, or don't like, it's not really, it's not really the situation to do that. Seen a lot of that online. I would just encourage anybody who's doing that. Please stop anybody who's engaging with it. Just don't. It was all around a very bad situation, but here's the deal with that. That happened years ago. He has been vetted since the facts of the situation are what they are. Because correct me if I'm wrong, he was not at that practice, correct? 
That's correct. It was a, uh, a players and training staff summer practice session where this occurred, I believe. And it was a trainer, the coaching, the strength staff was the one that was out there with the players on that day. Right. So there were, so as I said, this was back and this is not, this was in 2018. DJ Jerkin has had a lot of jobs since then, a lot of SEC jobs, and he was about the very close to having the Alabama job. Pretty sure these schools would have, if there was any involvement in that situation that would have been tied to him of having anything remotely close to this happening again, he probably wouldn't be coaching here or any of these other schools prior. It was a tragic right. accident. It was, you know, I don't know all the details. I'm going to begin to say, oh, it was this, it was that, it was this, it was that. His involvement there, obviously there was a lot of stuff going on outside of that potentially that ended up parting at Maryland. And he has worked a lot of places since. And obviously you haven't seen anything like that even remotely happen again. So you kind of mentioned this too, and you teased at this kind of off the air. But uh, just to balance everything out with Dirk, and you kind of mentioned there were some issues at Maryland about culture, correct? Correct. It's When, when we say he's been vetted and cleared, he has been. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean to that doesn't mean that he was completely blameless in what occurred there in that football program during that time. He hired the training staff. He was he's in charge of the culture that was in place there. And beyond what happened uh, to the young man there, there were some issues. I think locker room issues they had going on where there was allegations of types of harassment from coaching staff to players. That's a a large reason, and I. Don't, if you read the SPN article about it, that's still out there. It outright says it. Uh, the Maryland made the decision to bring him back as head coach, and there were some players on the team when they announced that after the investigation that just didn't want to accept that, and they kind of uh, made their intent known that they were not going to keep playing for Maryland if they brought him back. And Maryland, the very next day after making the decision they were going to keep him, that he didn't have anything to do with Jordan McNair's death directly. Uh, they decided to fire him that day. So that's kind of what happened there. So one thing that I want to bring up there, because this is not we, – we want to be as objective as possible in looking at this. And there are people that have some issues with this hire for various deals. And we're not going to say you can't have your opinion. I will just say, and I will say this again, don't be spreading misinformation. Research situations for what didn't didn't happen. And as we kind of said, there had been some issues there. So a few things I want to mention there. One. There's a big difference in culture and how things are run with a head coach versus a coordinator. And then also, too, this did happen six years ago. So you got to think Durkin's still a young guy. That was his first head coaching job. We're going to hope and probably assume he's learned a good bit along the way as far as just culture, running things, how to be a better version of himself, because he's continued to have top tier jobs that have been getting progressively better and better as he's gone on. So typically you don't do that if you are regressing in any form or fashion in your coaching career. Is that a bad take to have on that? No, not at all. And okay. I was sitting here thinking, uh, we, you and I go way back. Um, you know, some of my stories from when I was playing high school sports about some of the things coaches did, uh, even in high school, some of the things they did and said where if that ever made it, got made public, there'd be a hell to pay from school administration for some yeah. of the stuff that happened. I think that happens, that type of language and that type of uh, coaching tactics happens all across America. And 
your, your hope is that he has grown from that and learned from that just like everybody else. I mean, I think the country in general has grown and, and had to learn a lot over the past 10 years as far as advancing the way we talk to each other. Right. And I, it, I think that's probably going on in this case. Right. And putting the tragedy aside, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that in a different compartment here, but just all the other stuff at Maryland that some people may have seen or unearthed that is of concern. I would just encourage to say one, you hope that he does that. And also two, the difference between a head coach and coordinator, not the deal. And if there are any things like that, that's where you got to lean into Hugh Freeze and say, this is a guy Hugh Freeze put his faith in. And obviously, as you kind of mentioned earlier in the episode, they hit it off on some interviews. He quickly rose up on that candidate position. This is a guy who Nick Saban obviously saw and had faith in to potentially come lead his program. So at the end of the day, the head coach is going to oversee all that stuff. Right. It very, very, very unlikely would not derail. And hey, what well, you know? What worst case scenario? Let's get another defensive coordinator. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. So you just got to hope that he gets brings in recruits that are strong enough, develops guys, and you're on to the next one. On your worst case, your best case is he sticks around here for a few years. And I, I hate to kind of say it this way, but kind of given everything that did happen, he probably it'll probably take a little bit more time before he'd be in the hunt for a head coaching job again. And that, so that's very, actually one of the biggest reasons I I wanted him over Kiffin is, quite yeah. frankly, I think Durkin will be around here longer because of that. And I think Kiffin is itching to get an NFL DC job, and the moment that gets offered to him, he's out of here. So yeah, that's stability is another reason I wanted Durkin as well. Yeah, kind of like I said earlier. I mean, I think if you can build it and keep, if you can keep your, if they're good and you can keep your assistants and you can keep your coordinators as long as possible, teams benefit from it. Well, Pat, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode here. I think we're feeling pretty good. Hopefully, the listeners are feeling good. Durkin over Roberts, safe to say it's an upgrade. We've broken down a lot of reasons why. You know what? We didn't necessarily shy away from the reasons it could be a little bad. Try to look at it from all angles here. There's a lot to feel good about. Auburn, defensively especially, they should be rolling, and of course, recruiting. It's going to be an exciting season. We got our fingers crossed here. Definitely, definitely looking forward to everything that's going to happen on all aspects with this team. Big A Day coming up. So we're going to be putting all eyes on that to see how these pieces come together. But that's going to wrap us up here at the Auburn Daily Show. I want to thank everybody for listening, supporting the show, like, follow, do all the stuff, shoot us a comment, and you know, tell a friend about it. I want to thank Pat Barnes, Auburn's man of mystery, as always, fighting the bad takes on the internet, joining us out here, giving us all the scoops and breaking it down in a very easily digestible way that we can all understand because when he talks to me I, i'm the epitome of explaining it to me like i'm a fifth grader that's why i try to bring on guests here that are smarter than i am because you know what you, you need it you don't need it coming from me always got the best guests here want to thank everybody for tuning into the show we'll be at you again next time make sure to check out the episode if you didn't see it already yesterday's episode with charlie five always great stuff coming out of him with the top button podcast on here that's all we got here we are signing out we'll catch you